So one uh, Monday devotion, uh, Louise uh, did a, a study for us on masks. And um, it was so good that uh, we've asked Louise to tend it into the sermon. So uh, we've got um, Louise teaching for us today. Yeah, that's right. Um, and she has asked for this passage from Genesis 2. So I will read this and then we will invite Louise up. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realised they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I've heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some of the fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his head. To the woman he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve, because she would become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand, and take also from the tree of life and eat, and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword, flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. So welcome, Louise. Right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that your word is indeed living word. And we thank you for this passage that grows with you. And we pray, Lord, that it will indeed touch our hearts today and that the words I share now will not just be words, but they will really um, 
speak to us in a deep way and that we will all leave with knowing that you have um, reached out and spoken to us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I probably want to um, just add to Graham's introduction um, when he talked about how I got to speak this morning. Because when I said to Sarah's younger sister this week that I was speaking today, she said, Oh, did I just get anyone to talk now? <laughs> Supermarket, um, and they were, there was a kind of really awkward awareness of social distancing. And I scurried back home feeling I'd encountered a really surreal new world, almost akin to something out of a science fiction novel, where people lived atomized lives, controlled by fear and loneliness. And I recently read 1984, and it kind of had some quite close sort of, um, parallels. So we're experiencing a new reality many of us really never believed would become almost normalised. And among other things, we have to wear masks. And this is for two reasons. Firstly, to protect others from ourselves in case we might be carrying some nasty virus. And secondly, to protect ourselves from others who might contaminate us. And for most of us, this seems inordinately unusual and artificial way to carry out our social transactions. Because after all, we're a culture who love to embrace, share a hug, or a handshake. But then I got thinking and I thought, you know, is wearing a mask really such a radical departure from what we've done all our lives? Because while we're in Physical COVID masks may indeed be an unwelcome new reality. As Genesis 3 reminds us, wearing emotional and spiritual masks have been part of our human condition since the fall. Now Adam and Eve obviously didn't put on COVID masks as a body covering, but they covered their nakedness from each other and from God as fig leaves. And I want to suggest three ideas about masks or the fig leaves that we still wear today. Firstly, we all wear masks physically, emotionally and spiritually in an attempt to hide our nakedness, our sense of inadequacy, our shame, our vulnerability. Like our COVID masks, we need and want to protect ourselves from each other and from God. This is indeed part of our human experience since the fall. The second point, we were never really intended or designed to wear masks. As it says in the end of chapter 2, 
Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed. They were actually never clothed. We were built to be fully known, loved unconditionally by each other and God. But since the fall, we believe we can only be loved if we're not fully known, if we cover up and hide from each other and from God. And so what do we do? We cover ourselves up with fig leaves to, sh- to hide our vulnerability. But that's our solution. And all our invented masks and fig leaves ultimately fail to quench that sense of failure and inadequacy. And thirdly, God provides the only and ultimate solution. Notice how God pursues Adam and says, where are you? He provides the only way to deal with our sense of inadequacy. And in him, we can strip off our own useless masks and be clothed with his glorious garments of salvation. So firstly, let's look at this problem of nakedness. When God comes into the garden for his evening chat with Adam, he calls out to him, Where are you? But Adam's hiding behind a tree. He's afraid. He now feels ashamed for the first time because he knows he's naked. As, as Tim Keller points out, they've always been naked, but now, and they've always been fully comfortable with that, but now they feel radically vulnerable with each other and with God, and so they start making excuses. Now, nakedness means to be so knowing you're vulnerable, to be fully seen, to be visible, to be uncovered. And so since the fall, to be fully uncovered physically, emotionally and spiritually is hugely traumatic for us. It's to lose control of the information that others have about us. Once we were, <clears throat> we were actually designed to be known and loved, but now we live as if we can only be loved if we're not tr- truly known. How can others really love me if they can really see my flaws and brokenness, my smallness, my weaknesses? So we set about to control people's knowledge about our flaws or weaknesses. Being vulnerable is way too painful. And so we live fearful of anyone exposing what's truly behind that mask. And we feel that nakedness every day because an inescapable part of our human condition is that there are two pure, honest, just eyes of God that we cannot see before. So what hope is there for us? While we know ourselves we're broken and flawed, Paul reminds us in Hebrews 4, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must go account. And within us, deep down, we carry that sense of lostness, the closeness with God, the righteousness, the acceptance, the purity, 
that Adam and Eve once had but lost. As Tim Keller calls it, it's a, we carry a memory trace of a paradise lost. <clears throat> we know we were created to live far more abundantly as image bearers of God. But instead, we live in a place of defensiveness, fearful, lest our inadequacies of brokenness are exposed before God and others. So secondly, <clears throat> to deal with this, we spend our lives creatively designing a range of coverings or fig leaves or masks to conceal our nakedness. To attempt to control the story of how others see us. And it's interesting to see how even functional protective COVID masks have been used to project an identity by which people want to be seen. <clears throat> Here are a few chosen by um, some university students in Virginia. <clears throat> They've all designed some really um, beautiful masks to try and project the kind of identity that they want to be seen by. All expressing who they really are as people. Now last night we hosted this barbecue for our friends from Abide. But could I greet people in my grubby jeans? Invite people in to see my unfolded washing piles in the lounge? My unswept floors? My kitchen bench littered with dirty cooking dishes? No, I had to ensure I could control the information others had of me. How could I expose my messiness and untidiness? How would others accept me if I can't control how they see me. There are so many masks we all wear. The workaholic who can only be adequate if he or she has achieved the lofty goals he or she has set for herself. The desperately shy person who would rather die a thousand deaths before letting anyone see them sweated out or really admit how lonely and afraid they are. The one who obsesses over the hair, the dress, the makeup, minimising the physical blemishes to control the exterior appearance. The rescuer who can't disappoint anyone and ends up being needing rescuing himself. And of course, the ultimate way to post the sanitised version of yourself through Facebook. Facebook, the ultimate way that, which is just by its very name, you can present a face to the world which can mask the real you. And I guess we've all, we all know people that can present this wonderfully sanitised version of yourself on Facebook when we know that behind that face there's a lot of brokenness, there's a lot of sadness, there's a lot of tragedy. But people want the world to see something so different. They're all fig leaves and a frantic cover-up. We've listened to the serpent in the garden. He's persuaded us that we can write our own script, sing our own songs. We're all consumed with controlling the narrative. We live in fear of losing control, we attempt to hide our weaknesses, 
a vulnerability in our inadequacies. And it's exhausting. But at the end of the day, Shakespeare reminds us in Hamlet, our conscience, our conscience makes cowards of our soul. Our cover-up can never solve the problem. Our attempts to cover ourselves with our accomplishments or approval never, never satisfy or last. When the facade falls, there remains that deep sense that deep down we remain unacceptable and inadequate. Midnight is coming, Cinderella. And you know the thing? I'm sure we all experience it as we wear these jolly COVID masks. You actually can't function as a human. However pretty you try and make them, you can't smile. You can't read a person's face wearing those masks. Your eyes and your glasses fog up. You can't carry on a decent conversation with someone through that suffocating fabric. And they keep falling off. And just as the physical masks frustrate our ability to function, so do the social and emotional masks we wear through our lives. They render us incapable of living into that place of freedom in which we were created to be. Instead, we live exhausted lives trying to cover up our sense of shame and inadequacy. But the good news is we can't cover up ourselves, but God provides the one and only solution. When Adam cows behind the tree, God calls out, where are you? He draws Adam out and questions him. Who told you you were naked? And God knew the answer. Adam and Eve had to answer that question and tell God what he already knew. Now being naked was something Adam and Eve could no longer stand. They listened to the deceiver. They had traded their trust in God with the lie of the serpent. They were now naked and ashamed. And they and mankind would now reap the consequences. The entire Bible is the narrative of God seeking to restore relationship with us. To bring us back to that place where we can allow ourselves to be fully known, vulnerable, and unashamed before God. In Isaiah 61.10 we read, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. So what does this mean? It means the only way to get out of the trauma of our nakedness is now to come out of hiding. Open ourselves to God. Admit what we've done, and he will cover our nakedness, and we no longer need to be ashamed. Our own strategies all fail. We need our Father, and he alone to cover us. Tim Keller tells the story of the night when he was constantly awoken at one o'clock in the morning by his nine-year-old son. Daddy, I need you to put the covers back on. And every other night, Tim would reply, Son, can't you put the covers back on yourself? And every night, the reply was, I like it when you do it, Daddy. 
it works so much better. We too need our Father to cover us. It works and feels so much better when our Daddy covers us. So how does our Father cover us with his garment of righteousness and salvation? Paul writes in Romans 4 verse 7, Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. God banished Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden so they could never access the tree of life and live forever. And he placed a cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard their way to the tree of life. The only way back to that tree of life was by the sword. And this, of course, was done by Jesus on the cross. It's because Jesus paid the full price and took responsibility for all our sins, once and for all, that we can once again be unmasked, naked and unshamed. Once again, we can be radically vulnerable and secure. We can step out into the world confident that we can be both fully known and fully loved. We have a Father who has covered all our past brokenness, our present and future weaknesses. Through Jesus, we have access to the tree of life, a life of fullness and freedom, unmasked and unashamed. So as you put on your COVID mask this week, ask God to show you what other emotional and spiritual masks you're also wearing. Ask him to help you discard those useless masks so you are free to live and see him face to face. I'd like to finish with the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace.